Major support for Out to Lunch provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, Inc. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I'm at Commander's Palace, and this is Out to Lunch, a weekly window into the world of New Orleans business. Our Louisiana culture, lifestyle, and even our system of laws, the Napoleonic Code, are unique. The reason we're so different from the rest of the country are the waves of immigrants that have come here. French, Spanish, African, Irish, Caribbean, Asian, Italian, and more have made lasting contributions to our culture. But there's one group of immigrants who arrived in the early 40s who have been, well, less welcome. I'm talking about Nutria. Nutria look like furry rats about the size of a beaver, and since a hurricane washed them ashore, they've become a major pest for Louisiana's wetlands. My guest on Out to Lunch today has found a way to turn these pests into profit. Cree, I am so happy to have you with us. I'm glad to be here. This is great. Cree McCree and her amazing designs of using Nutria, which is, uh, you know, here's, this can't be. This is the ultimate uh, business scenario. We have something that has a negative and you've turned it into a positive. Well, it's all about rebranding, Peter. Instead of calling them swamp rats, we call them beaver with a Cajun accent. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to feel better about it already. <laughs> they, uh, isn't that the problem with the... This, the fur was used all over the world. It was considered a, a wonderful fur. And then somehow somebody showed them the picture of the, the rat tail on the, in the animal. And that was Actually, that problem. Nutria were first imported to Louisiana as a fur animal. And in the 40s, Greta Garbo was famously shot wearing a Nutria fur coat. Uh, Ursula Andress sported Nutria, Sophia Loren. It was considered right up there with a luxury fur in, from the 40s to the 70s. And then the 70s, what happened? The, the I think, well, first of all, the bottom started falling out of the fur market in general, especially with the rise of the animal rights movement and also with the vacillations in the economy. But I think it's sort of like uh, last hired, first fired, because Nutria was a relatively new <laughs> fur that had Nutria just recently made an entry. Well, it, didn't have, like, it didn't have a long history like mink or ermine or even beaver. So because it was sort of a, it was a, it was a less no, well-known fur, I think it just, the market fell out right away. Uh, give us an idea of the scale of righteous fur. Are there so many Nutria that you're making products that will find them in Walmart? Or is, is Nutria like mink, kind of just a real high-end item? Right now we're doing two things. There are two big, uh, there's a wholesale and a retail aspect. And on the retail aspect, we have a number of individual designers. This is a very talented creative community in New Orleans. So that do one of a kind pieces. And we put them in fashion shows. We did a series of fashion shows, which we called Nutria Palooza, which <laughs> culminated in great runway fashion shows and also had educational components. We have ultimately took those to New York and we auctioned off these one of a kind pieces right off the runway. They're also available in boutiques and online. 
But these are one-of-a-kind designer pieces. Now, the other part of the business is creating a wholesale market with major designers and outerwear companies. We did succeed in, first of all, getting Nutria on the New York Fashion Week runway in the Billy Reed show. We also got interest from Cynthia Rowley, from Joseph Altazura, and anybody in the fashion world knows those are big names as well, as well as some other people. So the idea there is to get the top designers to start ordering Nutria to put them into their, their fashion lines, and that's a wholesale end of the business. Now tell me, uh, from on the business side, if we go back a little bit, you're a, um, you're a beautiful woman. Do you put on camouflage and go shoot these, these guys out of the Marsh show? No, nor do I extract their teeth for the jewelry I make, which people have asked me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we, uh, we have a great relationship with a guy named Tab Petrie down in Galliano. He, they, he has one of the oldest remaining family fur businesses in the state, Petrie's Fur and Alligator. And he and his wife, Yvette, get up at the crack of dawn during Nutria season and they go out down the bayou in their boat and they buy the Nutria directly from the trappers and hunters. And then Todd processes them the traditional way. He's got a big operation. He also does gators. But during Nutria season, he hires off-duty shrimpers and uh, what they... they to be graphic, they turn the animals inside out on these long, narrow boards, which is a traditional thing that's been done for all kinds of fur-bearing animals, not just nutrients, called boarding. And the, the, the shrimpers scrape what remains of the flesh off the animals, and then once, they're, when, once it's completely down to, to the skin, then they're oiled and hung to dry in these hot rooms on these, on these long boards. It's really fascinating. So, and that, those are called greens. These are untanned nutrihydes. They've been treated, but they have not yet been tanned. They're called greens, and they're these long cylinders. Then they have to be tanned, but unfortunately, there are no longer any tanneries left in the state of Louisiana. Oh, there's one in Lafayette, but they only do gators. So in order to get the fur tanned, they have to be sent out of state. Uh, Tab has a relationship with a guy up in upstate New York. So that's the one non-local. When I first started the project, I had all these like crazy dreams of starting up this little backyard tannery where we would tan the hides in the traditional Native American way using methods like brain tanning. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but that turned out to be not very cost effective. <laughs> <laughs> and the neighbors complained. Yeah, that was yeah. well, you know, yeah, it's not um, a real eco-friendly business, a tannery. So the, the, you know, being able to get a tannery off the ground is probably unlikely. But at least they, they are primary, they, they are all, these are all byproducts of the Coastwide Nutria Control Program. These are all, these are all nutria that have been killed to get the $5 bounty that the state gives trappers and hunters for their tails in order to help rid the wetlands of this purge. So you've got this animal. First, you cut off the tail and you give that to the state for $5. Right. Sounds like a very good profit well, mechanism here. Yeah. Actually, you know, they cut off the tail, keep them in the boats. Tab takes the rest of the nutria. Why, and these nutria, we, you know, one of the things we should, we should talk about is just how much damage they have done. I mean, what... Uh, uh, any ideas? Are, are there any way to quantify? Yes. Uh, oh, oh there, there's definitely ways to quantify. Now, what are we losing a football well, the, field every well, 45 all minutes? That. Okay. But when, when the program first started, when Coastwide Nutria Control Program first launched, we were losing, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of acres of wetland to Nutria every year. It, it was outrageous. I mean, it was uh, huge. So the, the program has made big strides. I believe it launched in 2003. You can I double think that's check right. on it. Yep. But um, we made big strides. I mean, now the, at the most recent, we're talking. First, it was tens of thousands, and now it's really just thousands of acres. I think the most recent was maybe around eight thousand acres, which is not. It's still an awful lot sure. of land being lost to to the nutria. 
And when you showed me your jewelry that you've this pretty piece around your neck, they, the teeth are perfectly created to chew up wetlands, right? Exactly, because they have two on the top and two on the bottom, and they're these long uh, kind of cylindrical teeth, and they, they go in and they root. They grab the, the plants by the roots. So they're not just grazers. They're not just like grazing like cattle on the tops of the marsh grasses. They are rooting them out. From, and, that's, and that's why it's so destructive. Tell me some of the things you're making out of. I, uh, our researcher, Jennifer Smith, did a great job pulling some things together. You have things like iPad bags? Yes, we do have iPad bags. They're really quite stylish. That would be the coolest thing. Yeah, they are. And we have, um, we have leg warmers made out of Nutria. I have one gal who makes catnip toys with Nutria tails, and they are a big hit. I just, she's in San Francisco right now. She just emailed me and said, I need more Nutria. This is, my, this is the biggest hit of everything I do. What she does is she, she you know, makes these little like, cloth mice. She fills it with catnip, and then she adds a, a tail. And I have tons of cats in my house. And they, I tell you, I have to hide the Nutria skins in my garage where they can't access them. They love them. Wow. God, when somebody <laughs> says, I need more Nutria, this is the place to call, Erico 504. <laughs> There's no question about that. They, uh, tell me some of the other items. Uh, we, we, is it uh, linings for coats? Yes, uh, linings for coats. Uh, well, our designers make all kinds. We have people that make really fabulous Alexander McQueen-style creations, which are just completely off the graph. And other people that make more practical stuff, L- Nutria leg warmers are really popular. And I have a gal, Zia Mara Del Carmen, serves as our design director. And of course, you've been written up in the New York Times style Absolutely. section. We got a full page feature in the New York Times Thursday style. They actually sent a photographer to, we did a preview show at the Ogden Museum of Southern Art here in New Orleans, which was sold out, a big success. And the Times sent a photographer here to shoot that show. And then the next week, we took it to New York and, and did a show in Brooklyn. And they ran this full page feature using the photographs that they shot here in New Orleans. I remember seeing all those nutrients boarding the plane, thinking they were getting a big trip. That was a <laughs> A lot of excitement at Louis Armstrong. There's a, <laughs> now, tell me, you originally got some funding from a, a very a terrific organization, Barataria Terrebonne National Estuary Program. What's that about? That's right. That's, called, that's BitNip. And they have a great program, uh, a mini-grant program, specifically devoted to people who have interesting ideas of what to do about invasive species. It doesn't, it's not just confined to nutria. There are other types of invasive species and plant varieties as well. But uh, Michael Massamy, who's the invasive species coordinator, he always laughs about that because it makes it sound like he's leading the troops. Or but like that's his something out of Area 51, <laughs> sort of, is actually what it sounds like. That's his official title. Um, encouraged me to apply for a BitNet mini-grant in 2009, which I did and subsequently got. And that allowed us to launch the original Righteous Fur Business. Then in 2010, well, you know what happened in 2010. It was the BP oil spill. And BitNEP, which does all kinds of work in the wetlands, was right on the front lines of the BP oil spill. They had no time for a mini-grant program. But I reapplied in 2011 and got a second grant. Did our Nutria do okay in the oil spill? Actually, the Nutria did great. I mean, it's always, it's like nutri- how the cockroach yeah, will be the I only mean, thing left. Ironically, I think, uh, you know, no, far, no, because first of all, I mean, they can swim and they're also, they also live on land. So it's not like, you know, they aren't confined. So they could get out, they could get out. They, there, no, there were no like, there were no sob stories about all these poor oiled Nutria being like <laughs> washing up on the shores. No, the Nutria are smart. They got out of the way. Yes, that's it. The other thing you never hear about the Nutria, they're fine in intelligence network. That is, uh, they, let me ask you one other question I want to ask. We think, living in Louisiana, this is a great idea, and it's uh, kind of guilt-free fur and such, but 
uh, the organizations like PETA, I mean, they not on board or they mixed reactions? PETA is never going to be on board. I had some idealistic vision in the, in the beginning that we could get an endorsement from PETA. My husband looks and said, are you mad? They're the animal Taliban. <laughs> 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 and indeed that turned out to be true. I mean, we, we do, people do, I have um, a number of people who are animal rights supporters and vegetarians and vegans who are in our design collective. And But they live down here and they totally understand right. how, look, if if the wetlands go, the whole ecosystem goes, including the nutrient and including us. I mean, this is not something that we're doing just, just to put pretty furs on our back. But I think of it, it's, you know, this is the thing that gets me. Out of all those nutrient that are killed every year for the Coastwide Nutrient Control Program, 98% of them are just dumped and destroyed. I mean, the, the, you know, they cut off their tails and throw them back in the swamp. And that just seems completely criminal right. to me. I feel like the Native Americans felt that if you're going to kill an animal, you should honor it by using all parts of it. And I think of Righteous Fur as a giant recycling project, actually. Well, that's a good, good way to put it. They, uh, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that I like to ask uh, during the show to make you a little bit more 3D to a listener, uh, the kind of questions you probably wouldn't find on a, on a loan application. Uh, wh wh what part of your job gives you the most satisfaction? Oh, definitely the fashion show, the runway, and, and the thrill, my, my best Thrill, most thrilling moment was feeling like a big fashion designer like Billy Reed or something at the end of the Ogden show. When I, after all the models had run the course and I came out and I got a standing ovation, that was thrilling. Wow. Yeah. Those shows are really hard to put on. They're really, they're, they're very, t fashion shows are tough. They take, they really take it out of you, but there's a big reward at the end. Wow, and a good place to meet really skinny girls. There's, that's um, true. There's, uh, they, and what do you complain about most? You're obviously somebody that's taken, uh, you know, lemons and turned them into lemonade over here. But what do you complain about most? Well, it's it's really tough going on. I don't even go on comment boards anymore. Like when the when the piece ran in the New York Times on their website. I mean, the comments were, I'd say, 85 or 90 percent negative. I mean, and nasty, and really yeah. nasty. I mean, so I just sort of stay away from reading comic You know, boards. I do that generally, though, even in the, in the newspaper comic uh, yeah. comment boards. I mean, it seems like the only people that go on comment boards in general are, they're, they're all, they, they don't have anything, get a life, people. I yeah, mean, these are nothing people living in their families' basements, I think, because <laughs> they're the, uh, the uh, so which would be tough in New Orleans, we have no basements, so they'd be, be drowning. That would be a very tough thing to but do. But another thing that's really, as far as the good part goes, I mean, besides the ego gratification of the standing ovation, um, it's, <laughs> it's, really, it's really interesting when I go out to arts markets with the Nutritif jewelry, and I meet all kinds of people, and they, everybody that lives in Louisiana or was a, grew up here has a Nutria story. And some of them went hunting for Nutria with their families as they were kids. Some of them had them as pets. But everybody has, a, you know, everybody is fascinated with it. Some people go, ooh, and then they're like, well, actually, that's kind of cool. And it's such a love-hate relationship in the <laughs> state that people people have. Hey, how did they get here? I think is, uh, I've heard well, so the whole many thing stories. about the hurricanes is, I mean, they were actually, they were imported for the fur business, and McElhaney was one of the main importers. I mean... Um, That's the story here, that he had no, one no, really no. good idea and... No, I mean, that, I mean, it certainly wasn't McElhaney was not the only one. I mean, there were other people that were, and, there, and also people in other parts of the, of the states that were importing them from Argentina, but they were imported for from the fur... Is it South America? They? From Argentina primarily, but yes, South America. And in those countries, the, um, not only were the furs uh, revered and such, but the, uh, the, the meat was, was eaten as a delicacy down mm -hmm. there. We, that is not, uh, that's not taken off here. 
I think it might, though. I think the time may be right. It wasn't right 10 years ago when they tried to get it off the ground. Um, but the way the culture has gone now, and with all this locavore culture and people eating Oregon meats and stuff, suddenly it's not so weird anymore. Wow. And I it's, mean, it's, um, when we did a show in Lafayette, a Nutripalooza in Lafayette, uh, one of the women runs a, called the St. Street Inn, a very upscale restaurant in Lafayette. She actually prepared a whole um, tray of Nutria meat, meatballs for us, uh, and it, they were a big hit. Did they tell they you tasty. what it was? Oh, were, yeah, we yeah, told okay. them, yeah. I usually like to sleep well, that up on people. people in Lafayette are pretty, like, they live pretty close to the earth, I mean, or in the bayou. I mean, they live pretty close to the swamps. <laughs> so they were not going to be shocked. I mean, they probably eat Nutria anyway, some of them. And so you've known people have had Nutria as pets? They're, it works yeah, out? Yeah. Uh, uh, some of the tour guides, some of the swamp tour guides have Nutria as pets. They're really, they make great pets if you, if you raise them from a, chi- from a child, from a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a, speaking of baby Nutria, though, what's one really interesting thing about Nutria is the, the mothers have their teats on the side of their bodies so that they can continue swimming with their little, while their little babies are nursing. Wow. And one of my designers based a design on that fact, and she took this leather jacket and she had it, had like big, you know, big um, jewels down the side that indicated that, and then this huge embroidered Nutria with Nutria fur on the back. It was very... Nutria maternity wear. You never yeah, hear about exactly. that. That's so great. They, uh, uh, now, Cree, uh, this is the part of the show where we, have, we call our lunch money uh, portion. We were talking about this a few minutes earlier. It, we like to have a guest suggest a stock for our out-to-lunch uh, stock market portfolio. The market, of course, has been doing very well. It keeps uh, hitting new highs despite all the, uh, the negative news that keeps coming out. You, I'm, I'm beginning to think that, you know, we're worried about Greece now. I think in a couple of years we'll think Greece. Oh, yeah, the musical with John Travolta and uh, Cyprus, which is we thought of as a really great wood to work with. But uh, what, what, in all of this, what stock do you recommend in here? Well, this may surprise a lot of your listeners, but for people that are actually wanting to invest in something that may have an actual impact on coastal restoration, a surprise stock pit would be Entergy. Now, Entergy is the only Fortune 500 company in Louisiana, but what many people don't know is that they are also very actively supporting coastal restoration efforts through their philanthropic branch. And among the the projects that they are supporting is something called Tierra Resources, which is doing. We've had them on the yes, show. You yeah. had, yes, you had them on the show, and they are uh, they've come up with an innovative way of using carbon credits to br- bring funding into the state that will actually support coastal resiliency. They expect to bring between three and fifteen billion dollars using this car- carbon sequestration program. Well, so this is all something, this is a part of ener- energy we don't hear about. Yeah, I know, um, and people don't really know about it, and that's only one project. They actually support a number of projects like that, and, you know, you don't really hear a lot about it. They have, they have environmental information on their website about how they themselves are trying to be green and energy conscious, but this other side you don't really hear about. It's also, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a decent stock to invest in. It's not a gross stock, but you can feel good about owning something that's helping to support projects that are really doing something direct. For coastal restoration. Ticker symbols ETR, and uh, I know it pays a very sizable dividend, which is what people are looking for these days. You can't yes, hardly get anything in a that's CD. True. And it does do that as well. Wow, that's that's terrific. Cree, this, is, this has been terrific. Uh, we're almost at the end of the show. Are there a couple other things you think people ought to know about Nutria here? Yeah, there, there's <laughs> two things I'd really like them to know. For one thing, there's this terrific documentary called Rodents of Unusual Size that's raising funds right now on kickstarter.com. I appear in a cameo towards the end of it. Queen Costello, who's shooting it, uh, shot a lot of footage down here. 
in the Are bayou. you wearing your product, by the way? I am wearing my product. <laughs> of course I'm wearing my product. So if you go to kickstarter.com and just uh, enter rodents of unusual size, it'll tell you how you can get in. And also, we are giving away um, some, some of my Nutritif jewelry as rewards. So you can be sporting Nutritif jewelry if you donate to the Kickstarter project, and you'll be helping this project get off the ground. It's uh, one of the holy grails of business these days to come up with a product that is eco-friendly and unique. Uh, thanks so much for sharing these stories with us on Out to Lunch today, Cree. They are terrific. Well, thanks for the great lunch. <laughs> I've been cooking all day. They, uh, <laughs> they, uh, my guest on Out to Lunch today has been Cree McCree, founder of Righteous Fur. To find out more about Cree's coats, follow the links on our sites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Dr. Cliff Brigden. Our researcher is the surprising Jennifer Smith. And Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. On our website, it's neworleans.com. You can join our mailing list and keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can listen to past shows or get this show as a podcast on itsneworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at presonus.com, P-R-E-S-O-N-U-S. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937. Now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. Additional support for Out to Lunch from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, Inc.